Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Little Green Pasture. Well, it's good to be back again, as always, and I'm always looking forward to being here. So I'm glad you're here, too. So without further ado, I want to get started. So I'm going to pray, and I hope that you'll pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. I truly thank you with all of my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength, Lord, I turn to you as your vessel. And I offer up myself to you to be that vessel that pours forth the ointment of your name. Lord, you are that voice that speaks from heaven. Lord, let the people hear the sound of your voice. And I pray, though I am speaking with my own voice, there's something about your sound. And I ask you to take this message and let it be an offering unto you and guide me in the way everlasting for your name's sake. In Jesus' name. Amen. About a month ago or so, I started to really pray to the Lord in my time of devotion. You know, there are holy pauses in prayer. It's not just a rambling on. You got to give the Lord a chance to speak or to move and to show you what's on his heart or something he wants to show you personally. And so I like to give those holy pauses during prayer. And there was one morning I was thinking about all these deflecting prayers that I've been doing. Prayers, you know, of protection over my children and my husband and for this and for that and and over all different kinds of people I'm praying for. And I started to realize that I didn't want to just have these maintenance prayers, but that I wanted to ask the Lord to give me preemptive advantage in prayer through the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened that I would know what his will is and the, his calling for me. And not just what I do every day, but moment by moment and per day. And so I began to ask the Lord, Lord, show me in advance. Because of all the things that are happening in the landscape of this world and the soon return of Jesus Christ. And I said to him, Lord, I just don't want to just be prayed where like I'm you know, hitting, uh, you know, what do you call that game? Ping pong. You're hitting balls this way and that way. I said, no, Lord. I said, I, I pray that you give me the advantage and that you show me things to come, that you would reveal to me what the enemy is doing or what you want me to see or what you want me to know. And reveal it to me for the purpose of prayer, that the enemy will never gain advantage over me, that I will not be fleeing 
or darting or trying to escape or dodge certain things that the enemy is doing. Now, understand, I want to make very clear, I'm giving this message very humbly because I know that there is no other power than that, that that is of God. I have no inherent power. I don't, there's no buildup of froth of faith that I can churn and make something happen. It's God who saves. It's God, Jesus Christ, who saves, Jesus Christ, who protects, Jesus Christ, who delivers, and so on, and who teaches and leads and guides and instructs and gives songs in the night. And so I had been, I started thinking about years past how there was this super large decades of my life where the Lord was always flooding me with dreams and he was showing me things to come. And those were such training years. But when I got older, they tapered off. And I believe it's because, well, I would just guess that perhaps the Lord is saying, you understand about the dreams and you, I'll show you when you need to see things. I'm not saying he said that, but if I were to put words on it, it would be that you in maturity. I'm not even saying I'm matured. I'm just saying at this degree in my walk with Christ in that path of maturity is you do learn along the way that you do not always need to have Jesus telling you what to do. And you don't need to always be having dreams and visions. And God wants us to be able to go and to walk and to run and to heat because those of us who have been in the Lord for a long time, we know what he likes. We know what he doesn't like. We know what he loves. You know what he hates. And you have experience. And so for the older saints and for you younger saints that are watching, this is for you. Okay. Um, so just hang on. All right. So I thought about all the years because I'm a fighter. God always called, called me as called me into fight to fight in his name. And so. I would say a great degree of my studies were to see wars, the books of the wars of the Lord, the you know, first and second chronicles, first and second kings, battles of first and second Samuel. And and so I I began, began to familiarize myself with different battles and and the way God arranged battles and how he worked supernaturally through dreams and through visions. And that is how he's done it with me and not just me but many others like you out there there's many of you out there that that is why god gives you dreams that's what dreams are for there's so many people out there they have a dream every single day and they have a video every single day there's another dream another dream i don't listen to that i believe that the true way that it happens for us and for all of us whether young or old that when god begins giving you dreams At first, you're young, you start telling it out, and then people think you're crazy. But that's because God wants you to go back into a a place where he's going to teach you how to pray and teach you how to listen to him. And so I started to ask the Lord, as I demonstrated to you, or I pray you begin showing me things coming, not just what the enemy is doing. But show me things to come. Your word even says that your Holy Spirit will show us things to come. That's what Jesus said. I believe it's in John 16. And so I started to ask that. And so 
it wasn't long after that that I had this dream. And I'm going to say it really fast because I want to get into the meat of what I want to get into. Because I had another dream last night. And I know it's the consequence of my asking. And I have scriptural uh, structure for this. Where I have hung on this chunk of scripture in 2 Kings 6, 8 through 12. And I used the scripture many times in my past where I needed to know in advance while I was in a battle, while I was in a war, while I was in trouble with things, or I needed to know in something in advance. And God always immediately responded to it. So I want to share this with you because I know God will respond the same way that he did with me with you. So the dream I had was a couple of weeks ago and in my dream John and I my husband were in the car we're getting ready to make a left at a light we see a man standing over there somebody in my dream I knew him we knew him and he was waving to us and so I said John turn that way let's go say hi to him and so I rolled the window down we stopped the car I rolled the window down and I said hi how are you doing can I offer you some water? Are you thirsty? And he said, yes, I'm so thirsty. And so I said, John, pull over there. So he pulls over there. The guy walks over. I get out of the car. I open the back and I get a bottle of water and I hand it to him. And he doesn't realize it, but right behind him, about 10 feet away from where we're standing at the tail end of the car, I see three women. I see this very tall Nordic looking woman. I mean, she looked like she was six feet tall and she had smaller women that were like so small. They were like the top of their heads were probably to here. And it looked weird. And she stood out. And these other women had um, there was like a darkness to them. They just looked dark and they cleaved to her right and to her left side. And this woman just looked she kind of had this just she had short white uh blonde hair and she had she was expressionless and her eyes were black and i looked at her face and i was i like i was just she was unusual looking and all of a sudden i see her look past me like this and i i look i looked in the direction i where she was looking because i looked at her eyes where she was looking so i look at the direction where she's looking and all of a sudden our tire is flat I mean, flat as a pancake. And I looked back at her and I knew it was the enemy. And it was evil spirits materializing themselves into human-like individuals. Obviously, I wake up, I get up, I pray against any problems because we have one car and John takes that to work and he has to drive a long way to work. I think it's almost 40 miles one way. So... I pray every day for him and that there be no car accidents and things like that. But I, I realized, I said, thank you, Lord, for showing me that. So I came against every, everything the enemy would try to do to harm my husband or, and I named everything and I was praying in advance for him, every inch of every mile and so forth. Three days later, we're in the car. It's his day off. And he said, I had a dream. And I said, what did you dream? And he said, I don't know. He said, I dreamed I was in the car. I'm driving our car and I had to pull off the highway for some reason. And then I went 
into a store, but I came back and one of the wheels of the car, he said the tire was ripped off and the entire mechanism of the wheel was like somebody went crazy destroying it. And I said, oh, really? So what I did is I, I showed him my dream. And then I realized, because, you know, I, I think of that scripture when Pharaoh had two dreams and Joseph was brought to him out of the prison and Pharaoh shares with him the two dreams. And that's in chapter 40. I think it's 41. But he says to Pharaoh, he answers him and says, oh, king, he says, and I'm going to say a little bit off, but at the best of my ability to say it, both of thy dreams are one. For God has doubled a thing to show you the, uh, the assurity of it and what must shortly come to pass. So we both had that dream. And so, of course, I couldn't do any warfaring right there. But I'll tell you one thing. I got up in that morning, that next morning. And I marched out of that door and I threw down. Now, again, I say that absolutely humbly because it is Jesus Christ and by the power of his name and in the power of the Holy Spirit, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so I went against the enemy, putting Christ before me in his name. And I'm going to emphasize the name of Jesus Christ today. Now, let me go on. So I continued. Now, do I pray that every day? I probably every other day or so, but I've not forgotten that. So, and also seeing things that are occurring on the earth, things that are happening. Um, there's a lot of people are not aware of it. I think it's important to be aware of the time and season that we are living in because we are living in the absolute last final ticking seconds of the prophetic clock and things are happening you know the majority of people don't even know what's going on the average person you ask them something even the smallest thing and they're like no i don't even know because they're just busy in the world but god has called many of us to be watchmen and we're actually all called to watch that's what it says jesus says what i say unto thee i say unto all watch because he said watch and pray right and so all of us should be watching and understanding where we are right now in prophetic time and it is incumbent upon us to begin to take the word of god seriously word for word when he says i will do something he will do it do not doubt it if you like somebody uh, wrote to me and she was sharing with me something about her child and how hard it's been and certain situations and it sounded so difficult and instantly it entered into my heart i heard i was influenced by the spirit to say whenever you are facing the hardest thing to pray for you find the hardest example in the bible you find that don't just try to meet something or you find and i knew that that was coming from the holy spirit to tell her you find the hardest thing in the bible because it came fast like that and stand on that one stand on it and you do exactly what it says 
and you believe upon it. When Jesus says he will, he will. And don't let, you know, look, at. there's a lot of things people will try to do and say, well, you know, sometimes God will do something different. You have to shut out voices. You have to shut out voices. I'm kind of like veering off the path right here, but I feel to say this. In the book of First uh, Kings, Second uh, Kings, Elisha visits the Shunammite woman. Now, Elijah, during his time, he used to do a circuit. He, he was a traveling prophet. He traveled the circuit and he would always stop off and stay in the in a Shunammite's house. There was a woman. He would always she was hospitable. She was married. They she would let him stay in the house. And there came a day where she wanted a little room to be built. And so she had her husband build a room for the man of God. And so. um. No, it wasn't Elisha. I'm sorry. So Elijah goes back and he visits her. Let me go. I'm going a little ahead of myself. He tells her one day while he's talking to Gehazi, his servant. What shall we do for the woman, for the Shunammite, for all the goodness that she's shown us? And Gehazi said, well, she goes childless. And right then she's standing in the doorway. And Elijah says to her, by this time next year, you'll you'll have a son. And she said, oh, don't don't lie to your handmaid. Well, she has a child. She has a son a year later. And then he goes on, but he returns and comes. He comes back and he's not at her house, but he's staying nearby. And a time came where that little boy, I don't think he was that little, but I because I, I believe he was still a child. His father was out in the field. And the little boy is out there with his dad. And he cries out, my head, my head. So some medical situation happens to him. He had one of the servants carry the boy back to his mother. The boy, the mother put him on her knee. And then she went upstairs to the little room that she had built for Elijah. She lays him on that prophet's bed. Then she goes downstairs and she's determined. And she tells her servants, um, you get that ass saddled and I'm going on, I'm going. And she gets on that ass as she's going, Elijah standing in the doorway at some point and he sees her coming and he says, he's wondering, is it, is all well? He asks Gehazi, is all well with her? Like what's going on with her? And so when she gets to Elijah's doorway, he's not there, but Gehazi is there. And Elijah asks her, um, uh, no, it wasn't Elijah. I'm sorry, you guys, I'm doing this all by memory. Elijah meets her and he says, are, is your husband, are you well? Is your husband well? How is your, is everything well, your child? And she said, um, oh, it will be well. And before that she had left, she, her husband had asked her, where are you going? I'm going to go see the man of God because it shall be well. So when she got to his house, Elijah's house or where he was staying, she said, it will be well. Well, the outcome was well. That little boy lived again because something in her decided she'd shut out the voices. And that's how we have to do it. You have to shut out the voices. You can't have to even shut out even the voices that come into your own head. And you have to come in and you have to come into the, 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 the realm of prayer and say, oh, it will be well. Because your word says, and let God move. Now, let me do this. Now, let me get back over here. And I'm sorry about all the mix up. I, 
I'm just going by memory. And sometimes I get the Elijah thing mixed up and the Elisha thing. So I thank you for being so nice to me. But let me stay on track. So let me read 2 Kings 6, 8 through 12 and take it from there. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for to the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words thou speakest in thy bedchamber. You see, there's never going to be and God is God in you is not going to be overwhelmed. And in this description, has this this chunk of scripture has the Lord is honored in my life. Every time. There hasn't been one time I've said, Lord, show me right now. It didn't mean that moment. And he could, Lord, show me. And do you know he always shows me, just like what happened with that demonic assignment that had I not prayed, my husband probably, I mean, I, I could just see the wrath of the enemy in that, right? So let me go forward. So I prayed, been praying even more so. I said, Lord, with things that are happening in this world, I said, please, Lord, show me things to come. I said, show me what I cannot see or know. So last night I had a dream and here it comes. So in my dream, I'm at some official government building. I, I'm standing in a little line of people. A door is open and I see through the door, I see a big desk. I see a man, a government official sitting at the desk. Then I see a man standing next to him like an assistant who was just standing like this, like waiting in case he needed to assist this man. And there was a man standing at that desk and I'm next to walk up so I could hear everything that's going up, going on. And I hear that man saying the, the government official, whoever he was or represented, he said to the man that was standing at the desk, he started to ask him a few preliminary questions about you know just to make sure it was who he was and i felt this atmosphere of fear in the room and i knew that that man obviously was a christian because of what the man asked him and the man said the government official said are you a christian and all of a sudden because i'm standing right here where i can see the side of his face and all of a sudden, the man put his, his chin on his chest, and he looked devastated. And so he looked like he was full of fear. 
And I knew that whatever was happening here and what that man, that government official was asking him, that for him to say yes, that he was a Christian was going to compromise something for him. And so he said yes, but he looked down after he said it. And then that man at the desk started to press him more and said, um, he kept mentioning the name of Jesus. And so the questions had to do with Jesus. And I noticed that the man was sidestepping all the questions, like kind of answering it, but not answering, not giving a definitive yes or a no. He was going around the circles because he was afraid, because I understood by watching that, that uh, to say that you were not just a Christian, because it wasn't enough to say that you were a Christian, but to name the name of Jesus Christ and to affiliate yourself with that and to make a, a confession of it, of it, that I knew that that was going to be something that was going to adversely affect those that confess that name of Jesus Christ. And so the man got kind of frustrated at the desk and he wasn't getting any straight answers out of him. And he told the man to leave. He just said, go. And he was writing things down. And so I noticed when that man walked away, he walked away ashamed. He looked so like he felt so guilty. He felt ashamed. He looked fearful. And it was so weird because when he, as he walked away ashamed, it's like he just became like this shadow figure, like a darkness came over him and he just went into another area. And next thing you know, I'm called in. So now the desk is like at my one o'clock. And so I stand and I walk in and I looked up and the ceilings were so high, like I couldn't believe how high the ceilings were. And the man's kind of like going through some papers, getting ready to ask me some questions. And there was these two windows. There was these, they were like um, these, this window that was as tall as the wall that you see behind me. And then there's like another like 10 feet of wall that went higher. And there was a bigger window up on high and there was leveler blinds and they were slightly open so you can see outside. And the man looked up at me and right when he looked at me, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit enter in immediately. And I felt not a human kind of strength. I don't have that kind of strength. It doesn't exist in us naturally. You. It was the strength of the Holy Spirit, the strength of God, Christ in me. And the man looked up at me and he started to ask me those preliminary questions. And I'm telling you, this is what happened. No one told me to look up or anything, but I looked up at that top window, just as I do every morning when I pray. Because in that moment, I knew it was being done in me. Like I, it was, I mean, I had full control of my faculties and my complete person, but I knew to look through that window. And even though I can see little slits of, of what was out there in the sky, I knew it was cloudy and I was looking at that and the man was asking me questions, but I wouldn't look at the man and it wasn't out of rebellion or defiance. But in that moment, I knew God was out there through that window. And I'm going to do the best I can to explain it. And however that comes out, it comes out. 
And so I said to myself, while he's asking me these preliminary questions, I said, Lord, I wish that those windows were open up there so I could see through it. And right then out of the blue, this serve the, the assistant turns around and pulls the cord. And so all the blinds go up. And all of a sudden I'm looking through the sky and there's these thick clouds out there. And I knew, I knew, I know God's in the third heaven. I understand that. Okay. I know he's seated on that throne up there, but I'm telling you right now, he was behind those clouds. He was there and I felt him in his throne. It was more than just a human feeling. I'm in the spirit in this dream. And I knew he was sitting on his throne and he was present with me in that moment. And I knew no one told me God wasn't saying to me, uh, only look over out of the window. And I wasn't saying to myself, I'm not going to look at him. I'm looking through that window. But there was a power happening that when that man asked me, are you a Christian? I just looked up out and through that window. And I knew that the presence of God was beyond that was beyond that cloud, but near me and for me. And I felt the judicialness of his throne. I know it is a throne of grace. I know it is a throne of mercy and of love and those things stand. But in that moment, there was God, the judge of judges. And so when he said, are you a Christian? I felt this power and I looked up and I would only look up and I knew I was looking at God. Now I didn't see him. He wasn't visible, but I knew he was there in his full authority as God Almighty, God of God's judge of judges. And I said, yes. And then the man started to press me about the name of Jesus. And I kept looking through that window and the more questions he kept asking me about the name of Jesus. Um, and I kept answering them. And for some reason, that man was getting more frustrated. I wasn't giving him roundabout questions. I know I was answering in the accurate affirmity uh, um, of his love. I'm not, uh, you know, love of his name, that I'm his, that yes, Jesus you know, that I believe in Jesus. Yes. And he got so mad and I felt the man's anger started to kindle against me. And then I closed my eyes to go within into that place of prayer in the prayer chamber of my heart. And the man screamed and said, why are you closing your eyes? And I opened them and he yelled at the man next to him. Why is she closing her eyes? And I looked at him and I felt the strength of God within me. I said, because I, I closed my eyes because I went within where safety is, where Christ is. And he, all of a sudden, I saw him go into complete confusion and frustration and papers were flying all over his desk. And, and he was, he couldn't talk. He couldn't frame words. He couldn't frame a sentence. And he was just out of control and, and he just get out like he leave. And so I walked out of the room and as I walked out of the room, I saw this big area where people were coming in. You know, like when you get a jury summons and you are called to go in, you don't say no. And I knew that that was what it was. It was, I saw public filling up there and I knew that all the people that were filling up in that big area we're going to have to stand in line to go talk to that man 
and answer that specific, those specific questions. And as, and as I started to walk out, I saw an old woman sitting on a chair. She must have been in her late 70s, maybe 80. And she was had her face in her hands and she was heavily sobbing. And I began to pass by her, but I thought, no. And I went to hug her and she because she didn't see me and she kind of was like afraid. And so I hugged her anyway. And she looked up at me and she knew I was a fellow born again believer of Jesus Christ. And she was sobbing so much. And I knew, you know, things in your dream when the Lord gives you a dream. And I knew that she herself answered clearly the name of Jesus Christ, that she gave an allegiance to Christ and which I did also. And so she went back to sobbing and she was sobbing because she knew that once you say yes, that you are not just, it's not enough to say you're a Christian, but to name the name of Jesus Christ. And and not the Jesus Christ of, because anybody can name his name, right? There's many Jesuses. There's a Jehovah's Witness Jesus. There's a Mormon Jesus. There's a Catholic Jesus. There's all these different Jesuses out there. I'm talking about the Jesus Christ of the King James Bible. The one who died, who was born of a virgin, hung on the cross paid for the sin debt of all mankind and shed his blood for the forgiveness of all of our sins and that we may gain access into heaven and have our eternal life. And so she was weeping for both, for both about what was happening with those that would reject that name of Jesus Christ, what would happen to them later. And she was so crying so hard. And I saw the masses of the people and they just looked like they were just lost. They were just, we'll do what we have to do. I woke up and then I went back to sleep and I entered back into the same dream and the same scene changed. And I saw myself at home and someone was at home and I was telling them what happened. And I said, I've got to call. I've got to make a call. I've got to warn. I've got to tell some people that I know. And all of a sudden I pick up the phone, but my phone is dead. And I'm like, what's wrong with my phone? My phone always works. And I said, I've got to, I've got to get this message out. And so I left my house and I went outside and I'm looking around because I thought maybe I'd go to a neighbor. And I saw one of my neighbors and she was sitting there and she had like this pop-up tent. And she was whatever she was doing. And she had this little table out there and there was like a phone, like an old fashioned phone with a receiver and a cord. It's outside, but it's a dream. And I said, can I use your phone? It's really important. She was like, sure, go ahead. And as soon as I went to pick up the receiver, all of a sudden I saw the cords were ripped out when half a second before they weren't. And it looked like they were violently ripped out and all these little other wires are sticking out. And I woke up. And I woke up and I, and my husband was kind of awake. I said, I was just being, someone was trying to get me to deny the name of Jesus Christ. And I got up, it was like a quarter to one. I'm like, I don't care. 
I went out into that living room and I said, I will never deny your name, Lord Jesus. Now, let me tell you this. I believe that what happened with the, with that king of Syria, where he kept trying to attack Israel, well, that prophet was being told what that king's plans were in his bedchamber. The very words were told to him. Now, I'm no prophet. I don't make myself anything, but I have the Holy Spirit. And I trusted the Lord before, and I trust him now, even with this word, with his whole counsel, with the whole entire writ of canon, that when you stand on a word like that and you believe him, Lord, I pray you show me, you show me what is coming. Because you see, all dreams are made for prayer, not for show. They're meant to show you that you have a God on your side and you need to be on his side. And a time is coming where we are going to have to show our allegiance. There's too much lukewarmness. It's just not enough just to go to church. It's not enough. I'm telling you, it will not be enough. What is coming will not be enough to belong to that church over here or to belong to that church over there. It's going to be about the word of God, being in the word of God and knowing how not just to read it, but to use that word of God and to trust the God of Israel and to trust him that he did the same thing for them, that you can be like that Shunammite woman and say to your friends when they ask is all well, and you will say to them, this shall be well. But when you go to God, you say, Lord, I tell you. It will be well. This is not a bunch of, this is not me. I'm just being who I am before you. If I am anything at all to anybody, I'm just telling you who I know. I know Jesus. He's been the best friend I've ever had. He's been my faithful, invisible companion that has walked by my side all of my life. And like Polycarp said, one of the earliest church fathers, when he had to go before that Roman king, that Roman emperor, <clears throat> who wanted him to deny, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus Christ. And he says, 86 years old am I this day. And he has, Jesus Christ has been my friend all these years. Shall I deny him now? Because I'll tell you something. That dream showed me the power of the whole, the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. See, that name is above all names, and at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, that name, Satan wants to scrape off. He wants a bunch of false Jesuses. But there is one Lord. There is one God, one Lord, one faith one spirit and he wrote this book for you to be in it but let me put it to you this way the powers of eternity are not bound within the covers of his book let me repeat that the powers of eternity are not bound within the covers of his book God wants you to be active. He wants you to be alive. He wants you 
to be separating your own self. I'm not talking about a monastic lifestyle and living over here like a monk. Monks do no good. God wants you in the stream of life, but he wants you in his word. He wants you in it every day. Just as you feed your body every day, you need to feed your spirit. You know, Moses, when everybody was worshiping the golden calf, in Exodus chapter 32, Moses ran down from the mount and he stood in the gate of the camp and he said, and he didn't just say it, you can hear him yelling it because people are naked. They are worshiping the golden calf. And he says, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him, which is why I believe God chose the Levites to be the priesthood, to be the priesthood, and that God would be their inheritance. They went on the Lord's side. Not see, Moses was a representative of God, and all of the Levites went over to him. In First Chronicles 28, David, he was in, he had a stronghold at Ziklag. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, the tribes, the Holy Spirit was moving in all 12 tribes of all of the, because all tribes had their armies and tribe by tribe, they were coming to him. And it says here in First Chronicles 12, 8, and of the Gadites, there separated themselves unto David into the hold, to the wilderness, men of might and men of war fit for the battle that could handle shield and buckler whose faces were like faces of lions and were as swift as the rose upon the mountains. Can you just picture those kind of men? I don't know about you, but for decades of my life, I have prayed that prayer for myself. I said, Lord, I separate myself unto you in this wilderness, that you will be my strong tower, my stronghold, and that you make me swift like the rose upon the mountains and my face as bold as a lion. I've always prayed that. Think about what the disciples, what Jesus said to his disciples. And Jesus said unto the 12 in John 6, 67 through 69. It says on that day, a multitude left to Jesus because he talked about eating of the flesh and drinking of his blood, but he was speaking spiritually. And of all his so-called followers, his multitudes that followed him, no longer followed him anymore. It says, the multitude left him. The 70 left him. And said, and Jesus said unto the 12, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. See, he confessed, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. See, that puts a division right there. You know, anybody can say, I believe in Jesus. Okay, I'll, I confess Jesus. You know what I believe is coming? It's coming is you're going to have to make an allegiance with Jesus Christ that is not lukewarm. It's going to mean everything. And I'm not talking about taking this, this um, position where you're like, okay, when the enemy comes, it's like, don't just wait for the enemy to come. Why do you think 
we call God our watchtower, our stronghold in the desert because a watchtower sees way out. And you know what? I Whoever you are that is watching, don't feel like, well, I'm just kind of weak. You are weak. I'm weak. Everybody is weak. That's as soon as you get that, get that through your head and you acknowledge that as a firm truth that you are weak, we are all weak, then the power of God will be rest upon you. Look at what Abraham, look at what Abraham was said of Abraham when Abraham considered his body now dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb, they were ready to receive that covenant God made that pertains to us today in the deadness of his body and the deadness of Sarah's womb. The power of the eternal is not bound within the pages of this book. That power is in you. For God will do exceeding abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think according to the power that worketh within you. But that name of Jesus Christ, the world doesn't like it. You notice you can say God, uh, Lord, and people are okay. But as soon as you say that name of Jesus Christ, you're going to see either people rage against you, mock you, cast you out of their presence, making fun of you behind your back. You know, I talked with a friend of mine today. We've known each other for over 30 years. And we were talking about what it was like when we were young and we were all over the place. And we were like Peter cutting off people's ear, trying to defend the Lord, you know. But I said to myself, I used to look at my back at that and cringe, but I go, not anymore. You know why? It was part of me growing up into the maturity of saints. And to that full stature of Jesus Christ that I'm still, we're still going on that. So let me say this. A time is coming for you to wake up, for you to put away, like Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I spake like a child. I behaved as a child. I know he said I understood as a child, but when I became a man, he said, I put away childish things. See, it's incumbent upon you because if you are not aware of what's happening in the world today and mixed with, not just mixed, pointing directly to Jesus coming again, you're going to look at this world a whole lot differently. Your views and perception will change because he wants you not to be of this world, but to be of the other one because you were raised have been raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're already there. Act like it. And start reading your Bibles and don't let it, and start being independent with it. Shut out the voices of the world. Even the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have for them to do. See, we're on a path. We're on a path, we're on a narrow road that has a mountain view. Keep on that path that has a mountain view and stand in those words of Hebrews 13, 13 through 14, where it says, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here 
We have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Amen. God bless you. Now be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, being strengthened with all might in your inner man. For our God is holy. He is the King of Kings. He is the soon and coming King. And he will deliver you and he will honor you. He will carry you and he will do things for you beyond. You know why? It's for the honor of his name. Make that division that where you say, I'm on the Lord's side. I am with Jesus Christ. Amen. Always name the name of Jesus Christ and realize that name is like no other name. And his name is named upon us. Amen. God bless you. See you in a few days. Go with the Lord.